Who are they? How did they get here and where are they now? I'm Tyson Chastain, Director of Alumni Relations with Johnson University, and this is the Sojournal Podcast. Have you heard about Johnson University's Vanguard Church Partners Program? Churches who seek a more dynamic relationship with the university are invited to join this partnership as we work together to foster stronger connections between churches, the university, and the students who attend Johnson from VCP churches. Student scholarships and a variety of church benefits reinforce the partnership of Johnson University with each partner church. Learn more at johnsonu.edu forward slash Vanguard or call Brian Lakin, Director of Church Relations at 865-251-2141. Today we're joined in the Sojournal podcast by 1995 Florida Christian College graduate Pete Ramsey. Pete, welcome to the Sojournal podcast. Good to be here today. Glad I could uh, take part today. Thank you so much for making the time for us today, Pete. I know that you are in the path of a hurricane as we record this one, so uh, (laughs) let's get you out of here before you get wet. Thank you for being my guest today, Pete. Would you mind just giving a quick introduction of yourself to those in the audience who do not know Pete Ramsey? Sure. My name is Pete Ramsey, born and raised in Florida. Served several churches here. Married my best friend, Heather, 29 years ago. We have two kids, uh, Rebecca, who's a senior, and Joel, who's a freshman. My two favorite kids, though, are my two dogs. We got them, too. Uh, other than that, I've been doing ministry for almost 30 years. Youth ministry, family ministry, and not preaching. Wow, great. Rebecca and Joe, you said senior and freshman in high school? Yeah, yep. Okay, good. And you currently reside in? I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, and serve at Inglewood Christian Church. Perfect. Jacksonville and Inglewood. All right. So, Pete, to get started on this journey then, where were you raised? I grew up in Daytona, born and raised South Daytona Christian Church. Uh, In fact, my mom, for the longest time, had that same little King James New Testament Psalms that moms would get when they're babies. You know, they'd bring them forward to the church and, oh, it's baby day. You know, give a little Bible. She had that for so many years. So, born and raised (laughs) there. All the old ladies would pinch my cheeks. I used to change your diaper, you know, all that stuff, you know, just so spent all my life there growing up. And then after high school, you know, kind of mid high school, moved into some ministry interests and then kind of went from there. Cool. South Daytona Christian Church. So I'm assuming that's in South Daytona. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Daytona Beach area. And then South Daytona is a small little city just south. They all run together there on the east coast of Florida, Daytona. Ormond Beach, South Daytona, Port Orange, New Smyrna, all kind of along the beach side over there. So you've always been a Florida boy? uh, Yeah, yeah. I've spent most of my life. I had about an eight-year time period. We were up in North Carolina. But other than that, it's been in Florida all my life. Wow. Have you ever been in the news as Florida man? (laughs) (laughs) No, I have not. Ironically, I remember when we moved to North Carolina and, you know, we got to experience my first fall, real fall, not like the fake fall we get here in Florida all the time. Real fall and a real winter with snow. I'm out there playing with my kids. They're three. My daughter was three at the time. I'm out there playing like a preschooler with her in the snow. And I remember thinking, Lord, why did you keep me in Florida all those years? What did I do so wrong that you punished me with those summers and lack of winters for so many years? You know, so and so we blessed us with eight or nine years up there. And then we're back down here. So here we are. Good stuff. <laughs> Love it. So wait a minute. Now now you're you're wondering why did the Lord punish you again? Yeah. <laughs> did you back down to Florida? No, it's pretty clear. <laughs> we're good. We're good where we are in the exact reason. So. That's fun. So growing up in South Daytona, the South Daytona Christian Church in particular, what were the influences in the church that kind of 
grew your faith and led you toward Christ? My parents uh, growing up, of course, and then my youth minister, his name was Bobby Smith, which is ironically, it's just a small world for me anyway, and Florida, Florida ministry stuff too. He was my youth minister and I, you know, mid high school years started getting involved, helping him. I'd go to camp and help as a teen faculty as well too. And just really started falling in love with serving kids and serving students and a kids ministry, youth ministry role. And I mean, he'd let me. I remember clearly one day he I volunteered to teach the children's church lesson that day. And I tried to I tried to diagram a football play on a chalkboard with X's and O's and receiver routes and tried to tie it into everyone's role in the church. It was a disaster. But in my <laughs> mind as a 15 year old, it was like the greatest kids lesson ever, you know. And he let me do it. You know, he let me do it and try and fail. And they let me preach once, you know, early in college. I think it was like a 12 minute sermon, you know, they didn't they didn't kick me out. They didn't tell me I could ever do it again. They were encouraging. <laughs> just some good people there that just genuinely loved. So, but that goes back to some of those roots uh, where that comes from. I mean, but so some Florida roots that some of the listeners might know or might not know with some Tennessee ties too. But Bobby, his dad was Jerry Smith. And Jerry was one of the famous or infamous Smith brothers consisting of Jerry Smith. James Smith is known as Doc Smith from his Florida Christian College days. And John Smith up there in um, Johnson City, I think, for many years. Oh, and Fred. Uh, Fred was here in Inglewood for so many years. So the Smith brothers were pretty famous in Florida. So kind of had those ties to all those churches and, and their ministry impacts. So kind of a meaningful connection to all that. Hmm. You mentioned that your parents were an influence. So were you in a Christian home from the day you were born? Yeah, yep, yep. Grew up and born and raised in it. We were maybe not early on, but... I remember as far back as days of like fourth and fifth grade, when the church doors were open, we were there. We were Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know, week, whenever it was a monthly, quarterly men's or women's event, they're dragging me along with them. And it wasn't ever anything I dreaded, but it's just something we did. I and mean, I remember clearly when I got into my high school days, I had friends at school, but I did high school like 7.30 to 2.30 and psh, out the door, see ya, you know, I, but my youth group friends, my friends from church, we had common faith. That's that's who I did stuff with. I remember them clearly. I was thinking the other day of my senior class of five or six of us and the juniors after me and the and the, and the sophomores, like that really core group. We got some great servants that came out of that group that are working in kingdom work even still now today. It's like, wow, that was pretty – you didn't really know what you had until later on. You look back and go, that's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing group of families that had kids that were faithful and committed. And that was, that was really just it. That was really it. Hmm. Were either of your parents involved in ministry? No, no, nope, neither one. My dad was a milkman, ran a milk route, you know, around the restaurants and schools and stuff. My mom was a, a mom slash preschool teacher at times slash retail slash whatever needed to be done. So, so where in your childhood did you actually start to embrace this faith thing as something that was your own? I mean, I grew up in the church, so I knew it all, uh, and I remember clearly in fourth or fifth grade, you know, Bobby coming over, my youth minister coming over, doing this study about getting baptized. You know, we like had homework to do and look up scriptures and answer questions. And we did that for like four weeks. He'd come over, it was on Wednesday afternoons and we'd meet there. Then I'd see him again that night at church. And it got to the end of the study. He's like, well, Pete, you know, are you ready to do this? Are you ready to make a decision? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Let me think about it. And on the inside though, I was terrified to be up in front of people. I did not want to. And so for me, the fear was walking down that aisle in front of 150 or 200 people, whatever it was, and saying those words in front of people. 
you know, and so I look back at that and laugh now where I get up every Sunday and preach a message to 150, 200, you know, like that's what kept me. So I, I hesitated and he asked me, he bugged me a couple of times, you know, he checked me out on Sunday. Hey, you got a decision yet? You know what you want to do? Like, uh, not yet. Well, and he did that for like six months. Then he finally stopped. And I waited four years of oh white knuckling it in the pew. Like every teenage boy, you know, like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. I ditch out the door and leave for the, for the invitation him. I put myself in the middle of the row and I convince myself, uh, I'll do it next week. I don't want to walk over these people. I mean, dumb reasons to put off your salvation, you know, but the Lord's grace, he did not come back between that time period. Thank you, Lord. But I was in ninth grade and something that day, I can't explain it. I don't know what it was, but I don't remember the message. I don't remember anything about the day except going up front. And uh, I remember my grandma about had a heart attack because she saw me. She's like, some kid up there with a yellow shirt, like, is that Peter? Oh, it's Peter, you know, and freaking her out. And I remember getting baptized and lots of hugs afterwards. And that's it. And then that was, that was ninth grade. And I was hooked, man. I was, I got to camp that summer and had a great week of summer camp and uh, came back that fall and just put in high gear and, and got involved and started serving. And I was doing either food service, like I worked at a restaurant. And I loved it. I loved it. Or ministry. So they're so closely related, right? But, uh, <laughs> I ended up going the ministry path and you know went to school from there. So good stuff. So you were in food service as an employee in high school? Just at a yeah, I said a restaurant. I worked in the pantry, did salads and desserts and a lot of vegetable prep and all that kind of stuff. But just got to watch the whole kitchen because where I was stationed, everything else was right in front of me, like the food line, the cooks and the orders and cleanup station and all that stuff. It was just fascinating. You know, my dad had always given me a background of that with some restaurant details about, you know, I was a milkman. He would always the best was uh we like, hey, there's a restaurant. Let's go there. And it's like, oh, I deliver there. Mm, you don't want to eat there. <laughs> he, he would always know. Well, I've seen that kitchen. You don't want to go there. So, so it was good information I have. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed it very much. Even still today, I'll mess around the kitchen and have a good time. But, but I'm pretty confident I made the right choice and not being a chef and became a pastor. So <laughs> good stuff. So then, when you you gave your life to Christ in ninth grade, ninth grade, yep, faith started growing at that point. <laughs> I appreciated your description that you were white knuckling it. Every oh, Sunday man, totally. from fifth grade to totally. ninth grade. That's pretty funny. Four years, man. It's crazy. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Dumb. I was dumb, man. I don't want that stupid. <laughs> In your faith development then, and as you're moving on closer to high school graduation, of course, all the options are presented before you. The culinary school route or whatever food services, maybe not culinary school, but just yeah. getting into food service management or going into ministry and choosing the next step. So tell me about that journey. How did you ultimately decide ministry was the direction? And then how did you make Florida Christian College your destination? Yeah, I remember going, I mean, the food thing never even had much thought into school or stuff. It was going to be one of those just graduate and keep the job and see what happens. Mm -hmm. But the ministry thing was going to a discovery days is what it was called. It was the high school visit weekend thing, you know, years ago in the late 80s that Florida Christian would have had. And I want to visit there. And part of it, too, was the relationships from ninth grade through 12th grade. Church camp really did it for me. I went before ninth grade for one week, went back the next year and it helped at an elementary week and did a, a high school week as a camper. Went back the next year, helped at two weeks and went as a camper. And then the next year, and by the summer before I went to college, I was at the camp for six weeks, five as a volunteer and one as a camper. And that was back in the days where it wasn't like, oh, you fill the application online. I had to call the deans of the weeks of camp and ask, hey, my name's Pete Ramsey. I really want to help your week of camp, you know, and try to sell myself. And 
So I started making connections with youth ministry guys. I mean, Bobby Smith was one. Joe Pudding, who's pastor at Tomoka Christian, pretty big church down in Ormond Beach area now. He was a youth minister up here in Jacksonville. Uh, other guys at other weeks, Becky Bennett was at Manor Christian Christ Church in Jacksonville. So I started making relationships with the kids and youth ministers and pastors in the North Florida area and just picking their brain and talking to them and serving. A lot of them were just really super encouraging. I mean, they they would trust me with a lot of stuff and they saw a lot of potential and they'd tell me that. You know, they weren't afraid to say, Pete, man, you've got it. You've got something. You've got the servant's heart or you've got the humility. You've got the, you know, whatever they would say. I don't remember exactly now, but I just remember those people in ministry being very intentional about encouraging me to look into that, you know? And so it really became a matter of just kind of like, it wasn't like some light bulb went off, but it was almost like some kind of like, I guess I should. I mean, everybody keeps telling me I should do this, so maybe I should look into it. It was really what it was. And then going to the Discovery Days and visiting the campus and meeting there. See, Jim Book from Kissimmee Christian at the time, he was actually the student recruiter for the college back then. And he, you know, was on me a lot in the summers about he'd be there with the camp teams from the college and, and hit me up about coming to school there and that kind of stuff. So it was really just a... <laughs> It's not like death by a million paper cuts, almost like life by a million paper cuts. You know, it was just a little thing here and there, just constantly people reinforcing, you know. I never had the one-on-one mentorship with anybody, really. It was never really one person. Oh, that's they're discipling me. I never had that. But I had a lot of people who care a lot about me and encouraged me enough. Funny thing about Jim, you know, he'd fill out the car to camp and they'd send a letter out after summer. Oh, so glad you were here. I'd done that three times. I knew I was going to school there. So I filled a card out one summer and I put Michael Jordan was my name. You know, remember, this is the late 80s, early 90s. The Bulls are winning championships. I filled the card out, Michael Jordan, put my home address. Well, six weeks later, I get a letter in the mail from Florida Christian College signed by Jim Book addressed to Michael Jordan. You know, totally like it's an auto, you know, it's just a mail merge. You know, I know the deal. It's no big deal. So I write a letter back to him, Dear Jim, and I write it like it's Michael Jordan. I write a letter back, Dear Jim. This is Michael. Man, I'd love to go to your school. I'm a little busy playing basketball now. Call me in a few years. And I signed up Michael Jordan. I said, I'm just a hoot. Just messing with him. Like, what is this? Yeah, I, in senior year, really focused toward it. And I remember at that point, Florida Christian wasn't SACS accredited yet. So they just had, you know, just church scholarships, things like that. And my GPA was good enough, but I knew I couldn't get any state or federal money besides the Pell Grant, you know? So a lot of the, you know, state funding, things like that. So I, I totally changed my last semester of high school. I knew I couldn't get the money. So I was like, I'm not going to bust my tail to get all these hard classes and AP classes, but I don't even take them. So I, I changed my schedule to like two PEs, you know, uh, two art classes and a, and a study hall, you know, and I had like an English and a math and that was it. Cause I'm like, I'm going to Florida Christian. They don't take this stuff anyway. Pull my own out of See, I was focused. I mean, way to strive for excellence, right? There you go. Don't put that part out if you need to. <laughs> I'm going to Bible was, I mean, college. Yeah, it was just a lot of people that planted little seeds, and I was it. I was in. That's really cool. I appreciate the way you described that as, you know, a thousand paper cuts, so to speak, you know. Yeah. A lot of people speaking into your life. Yeah. And, you know, I wonder if that's one of the things that's missing today that partially contributes to fewer you know, Christian students considering a Christian school like Johnson or Ozark or, you know, FCC or what have you. Uh, 100% agree, man. I think we have, I won't get too far off in this, but I think we've relied too much on the parachurch organizations to make those conversations happen. Where mm-hmm. I, I did it for years in youth ministry. I take them to a CIY or a camp or a, a fall conference or something. I'm like, oh, yeah, the spirit's going to work. It'll do it. But 
we're missing that personal man. Hey, let me pull you aside and talk to you, or hey, come follow me for a day, or hey, do this, you know, challenge them. We, I think we have lost that concept of not a recruiter. We shouldn't rely on a recruiter for the school. It really, and I think sometimes we blame too many of the colleges. Why aren't you creating more ministers? You know, right. Listen, as a school, we just take what the churches send to us. You know, we recruit <laughs> exactly students. Right. We can't. I see we like I'm on a school. I mean, a, a school can't look at someone and go, you should be a preacher. No, it's someone who's invested in them the last four or five, six years of their life. They need to tell them you need to consider ministry. So then they make the decision. They go to a school like Johnson or a school like Ozark or name the ones that are out there still. And they do that. But I think I think the churches in general have really dropped the ball on that. And that really falls back on us. And unfortunately, a lot of us want to blame someone else because <laughs> it, it's easy because there's a lot of us out there. Oh, it wasn't my fault, you know, but really <laughs> all of us need to take on the chin and say, we have just not done a good enough job encouraging people to go into ministry. Mm. Now there's a lot more deeper roots than that. Maybe, maybe there's guys in ministry that are frustrated and depressed and struggling with it and they don't want to encourage someone to go. I don't There's a deeper question there with that too, but that's a podcast for another day. That's a three-parter right there. Uh, <laughs> but something's got to change. I, you said it, and I agree with that 100%. I, we've I, got to be more direct in our recruitment and encouragement of ministry. I appreciate you bringing to the table the context of, you know, there's a lot more in it than just, you know, some tried answer, some easy yeah. thing to point to. Yep. So, yeah, you know, the question is, I guess, self-examination of where yeah. have we failed in making this? happen so who was it for you that brought you to discovery days at florida oh bobby smith my youth minister he would have been the one just bringing some high school students to, to come visit that i think myself from my youth group we had three of us that ended up going um that year that fall so that was fun and then we had another one the next year too i believe that came it was fun to kind of have people you know on campus now the two that went with me were girls so i didn't have anybody to room with right away my freshman year my roommates were one guy was, so I'm 17. I just turned 18 over that summer. I'm 18, right out of high school. My roommates are a 25-year-old guy who has been in school like eight years, and he's missing one class that he's failed like four times. He's holding on <laughs> trying to finish his one class. A 26-year-old guy who's already been married and divorced but has a child. So I'd have a kid. We had apartments then, not dorms. So his kid would come stay with us every other weekend. That's weird. <laughs> and then my roommate was a 29-year-old guy from Iowa with like a 19 inch neck some huge farm boy and so there i was with this 18 year old with these three 20 something men I'm like oh hey guys what do we do you know it's just <laughs> it was a crazy setup i played with other friends but not in that room that i knew to room with so it was a fun fun freshman year with that adventure so <laughs> oh, was, the stories was bobby a florida graduate he was florida? he was yep 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 he sent to florida he was one of the early years he was late 70s so he would have been one of the first classes he was either the first class or the second class. I think I want to say they started like 75, if I remember right. That sounds right. Um, and I think he would graduate at 79. So uh, he would have been like the second class, I think, or maybe the first. Something like that. So, uh -huh. yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool. So you, you, you get to the end of your senior year and mm -hmm. going to Florida Christian yeah. College yeah. is definitely it. Did your parents have any aversion to you going into ministry as opposed to some no, other? Vocation? Not at all. Not at all. Loved it. Yeah. I think they'd seen it in me and my personality matched up for it. So they were very encouraging in it too. So I can see how you gained a fire for it by all of your service, yeah, of course, with the church, but also in the Christian camps and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. It just kind of stoked the fire. So yeah. 
it makes sense that that's the direction you went. So what did you go to Florida Christian College to study? I went for youth ministry. I mean, Bible, everyone goes with a Bible degree, you know, mm-hmm. and then your double minor was and for Florida Christian days was youth ministry and the typical one was Christian education. So it was just kind of a, with the end goal was to do youth ministry in a church, you know, and of course in that day, in the nineties, when you said youth ministry, you meant kindergarten through high school, you know, it mm-hmm. was, it was a church with everybody, you know, you cover everything. So that's, I, that's what my youth minister did. And that's what I figured I'd be doing. So I went with that intention. And ironically, my first year, Roger Wright was a youth minister at Central Christian in Ocala, Florida. And he had actually met me through some summer camps, you know, for the church camps I mentioned earlier. He was on staff, not the dean, but had seen me there. And so he approached me during my freshman year about being an intern that summer. You know, again, example of someone saw something in me and encouraged me. And did that. I wasn't looking for an internship. I, I was a freshman. I was going to go back home and work at Publix for the summer. I don't know, whatever. Go to the beach, you know, sleep till 10. <laughs> but um, he encouraged me. He's like, hey, man, I'm looking for an intern this summer. I'm like, intern? What is that? I know what intern was. What, what does that mean? Does it get you coffee? What do I do? I don't know. Um, <laughs> and so uh, so he invites me up to be an intern. And I go and I take that intern that first summer. I didn't have to interview for it. It was like, hey, you want it? Sure. Done. Okay, cool. Uh, and I went up to that summer and, you know, so here I am, I'm now 18 turning 19. I'm, my birthday's in the summer. So I was still 18 when I started. I'm an intern in student ministry or youth ministry and kids ministry for kids that are a year younger than me. I mean, it was, that was tough. I look back now and go, man, that was nuts. That was not wise, but he trusted me, you know, nothing bad happened. Everything worked out fine. But man, I started that summer and I got two weeks into it. And we were planning a CIY trip and we were on camp stuff and we were doing kids' church lessons. And I was forced myself to learn three chords on a guitar to be able to play songs for kids' church. You know, GCD, baby, all three, GCD all day long. <laughs> Anything in the key of G, I can play it. I got it. Um, <laughs> after the first two weeks, I remember getting, I stayed at a, there was an older couple at the church there, Walt and Marley Miller. They had a little side of their house that was the intern residence. You know, they just let Roger use it every summer for the interns. I remember staying there and having dinner with them and talking to them and afterwards going back to my bedroom and just kind of going, this is it. I'm in. I'm I'm in. I love this. That was it. No turning back. No questions. Everything from that point forward was, give me some more. What's next? You know, and did it. It's great. <laughs> so yeah. tell me about your experience at the Florida campus. Now, you already alluded to your housing situation. You lived in dorms with <laughs> yeah. three older men. Yeah, so. Yeah. Let's talk about your experience there at Florida. First of all, socially, you know, what were the what was your life like with your roommates? And then what kind of things did you get involved with on campus? It was so cool. The setup back then, of course, with apartments, you had four in a room, there's two bedrooms, you had a kitchen, you know, so there was no food program, you know, you cook for yourself. And that was reflected in, you know, it was cheaper. You didn't pay as much because you didn't pay rent and stuff. So that was really an adventure of I remember one time we tried to we tried to all go together, at least twenty year olds. They 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 robbed me blind. They, uh, they we just, oh yeah, let's all go in together and go to Sam's. And we go shopping for food and we're buying like a 50 pound bag of sugar and like 48 eggs. Like, what are we going to do with this stuff? So they're eating like kings. And I'm like, I'm 18. I don't care. Whatever. I'm eating junk. And next thing you know, I'm going, all the food's gone. I'm like, I'm out of food, buddy, man. Come on. So I stopped doing that. <laughs> uh, but the Florida campus, we had a cool thing where in those years they had families. And so you'd have a professor on campus who had a family 
there was a junior class family that was all the juniors. There was a senior class family that was all the seniors. But then all the freshmen and sophomores were mixed up into different groups. I remember fondly. And you'd stay with that group for two years. So you'd come on campus as a freshman, get placed into a family, and then you're with them for two years. And then you move into the junior class, you know, whoever that was. So I was fortunate enough to be with Dr. Chambers, Mike Chambers. He, my freshman year, I was in his family. And in my sophomore year, I was as well, too. And then ironically, he and, and Professor Sias, Twyla Sias, kind of joined forces. And they were the class sponsors for my junior and senior year. So I kind of had him all four for that. But that was a great time because we would do things at his home. So here he is, him and his wife and his three kids that were younger than me that I knew from Bible Bowl days, you know, competing in that in high school and middle school, being invited to their home, you know, seeing a professor's house. I was like, what? I remember we did a, we it was around Halloween. We did a family event, you know, at his house and we called it the coincidental pumpkin carving night. You know, we weren't, we weren't celebrating Halloween. We were not <laughs> carving jack-o'-lanterns. It was just coincidentally around the same time. It was so good. I mean, everyone laughed about it. We knew what we were doing, you know, and somebody brought a watermelon instead of a pumpkin and they carved a watermelon. You know, it's just, it's just the memories that are great and the conversation you need to have and the connection you need to have. And that was random. You know, you just get put together with freshmen and sophomores that you didn't know. Mm. You meet new people, you make new friends, you know, and of course, everyone is a freshman in Bible college. You minor in ping pong and, and pool, you know, <laughs> that's the truth, you know, so everyone plays those games all day long in the student union building. I remember reflecting on later on as a senior when I was married, working for the school, I was cutting grass and a big old John Deere in the back 40 there at the school cutting grass. And I'm walking the student union building, um, dripping in sweat and filthy and cutting grass in early summer, late summer in central Florida, uh, right before school starts. And there's all the freshmen at orientation. They're just, they're playing ping pong. They're watching TV. And like, you guys, you just wait a few years and you'll be like, ping pong, what's that? You know, so... But yeah, I remember that. You just have good times hanging out and doing something like that. So good things. <laughs> yeah. The family groups, I, you know, I admire that. I recall when I was a student here on the Tennessee campus, it was like, you know, first week of school, we got connected with a family. And then there was always class sponsors. So freshman class entirely was yep. sponsored by, you know, some faculty and staff member. And they stuck with the class as they grew. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, they'd go through four years and then take a year off and then get back in on a freshman through four years. I miss that. You know, yeah. I think that's one of those things that we yeah. miss. It helped form great community. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely been a cultural shift. Uh, of course, with technology, with all it's good and bad, I think technology has contributed to that, too, where we've become. We have students in college now that have friends. I, mean, I remember, and this is showing my age, you know, maybe you can relate, where you would go to camp and you get addresses and phone numbers the other week and you would have to write people and, and have a, a long distance phone call. You know, maybe you had to pay for long distance. You know, like, <laughs> I got 10 minutes, it's 10 cents a minute. I got an extra dollar. Okay. Let's talk fast. And so you would be intentional about connecting at, we had a state youth convention in Florida. You don't go, Hey, you guys going? And we talk to each other and meet up there. You do like a, you'd play Bible bowl because Bible bowl was fun and they learned the word, but you also got to see your friends once a month, you know, so you got to connect with them. So you had those events that you were building up to to see and connect and relate that was face-to-face. There was no technology. You know, and now the, I think the downside of part of our culture is it's turned into a screen in front of your face that you look at. Yeah, I got friends, and they live all around the world, literally around the world. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. You know, and then we went through the pandemic and everything that happened with that, too. And, yeah, it's made education great with the ability to keep on going. You know, my daughter's doing virtual this year. I love it because it takes her out of the mess of the – public school setting from an influence point of view, worldly influence. But the downside is 
senior year. She's got no stuff mm-hmm. to do, you know, so pros and cons, but we're missing that. We're missing that face-to-face time stuff that we need to find ways to create. So mm-hmm. something that, that is missing, you know, I obviously you couldn't do it with just one class sponsor. It's too many. You can't get to know everybody, but if I had more ways to get more faculty connected, you know, in, in a college setting, uh, those are some fond memories, you know, and mm-hmm. I still see Dr. Chambers now. I, I call him Dr. Chambers. He's not call me Mike. Like, I, I can't do that. I just can't do it. It's, mm-hmm. You're Dr. Chambers. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, so, but that, that's there. And I, and his wife and his kids, I still know them all. In fact, later on, his son, Chris was a missionary. He worked with Pioneer Bible Translators for a while and we supported him as a mission partner. So he'd come mm-hmm. by and visit and we'd catch up and share memories of the coincidental pumpkin carving. You know, just those kind of things that impact. Even the other side, for the professor, if they have kids, was impacting their kids as well to see these college students in their home and, and what they're maybe aspiring to be. So it's face-to-face, man. You just can't beat it. This yeah, professor is. yeah yep. I agree. You know, the professors that I know that are super popular on the Florida campus are professors that I know also intentionally, like, sit down and have meals in the cafeteria with the student and those kinds of yep. things. They're doing things to engage in student life beyond the classroom. Yeah. They're in a Phoenix football league with them. They play in Jamiro's with them, you know, right. and try not to break a leg. You know, I, uh-huh. I remember in Florida Christian college days, we had a, this is another dumb story, but it's good. <laughs> uh, so, so we somehow, Jim Book and one of the other professors, Dr. Robert Woods, he was like the humanities professor and Jim was a student recruiter then. 10 or 12 of the students, we decided we were going to form the Dream League, which was we all went to like a played against sports and we all bought up all the old used football equipment we could get like legit, like helmets, shoulder pads, pant, everything. And we went out and we played legitimate full contact tackle football. Again, the dumb things you do in college that you would like, I'm paying you to go to school and do what is what your parents would say. We went out and played. We had like six on six, not too many of us, but man, I remember getting trucked by some guy. Like <laughs> I swear I got a concussion. And then Woods, he got tackled and actually he broke his collarbone <laughs> playing Dream League football. But you know what? Those students loved him. When he was there, he was the favorite professor. They loved mm-hmm. his classes. They loved his personality because he would do life with them. He wasn't locked in an office all day long grading papers and grumpy McGrump a lot, you know, whatever. He was just, <laughs> it was life. He was living life with them. So good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Absolutely. So we talked about the social aspect of the Florida experience for you. What about uh, spiritually? Tell me how your spiritual faith developed in those college years and what contributed. I remember, of course, knowledge-wise, it's just uh, you just sit under the feet of these men and women that know the word and know ministry and kingdom experience so well. I remember afterwards, you know, Life of Christ uh, was Glenn Bourne. He was a professor. He was never a doctor. I think he had a master. Glenn Bourne is just a great man. I believe he's still alive. He might even still fill the pulpit on occasion, but <laughs> he did Life of Christ one and two as your freshman. We had trimesters uh, when I first went there. So you had a fall, then a winter, then a spring. Uh, and he taught Life of Christ fall and winter. And I remember, I mean, you go in there as college, you're 17, 18 years old. You're like, whatever, class of seven. Oh, I'm barely awake, you know, whatever. And so you're just passing the class. I remember as a senior thinking, man, they should let Life of Christ be a senior level class. So you really appreciate what you're getting you know, in that class, in that contest, so foundational. But you just, you would see that these people weren't just teachers. They lived it. I mean, most of them were active in a ministry on the weekends for free. They weren't getting paid for it. It was some church that needed a preacher. 
and they were filling in for the next 18 months. You know, they were serving, they were leading. They were often recruiting us to go, hey, I need childcare for this event. We got a revival. Come help. I'll give you Christian service hours, you know, whatever. I mean, <laughs> so you'd see it modeled by them for ministry. And then the doors are always open. You could stop by and talk to professors whenever you wanted about real life things. I remember Lyle Bundy talking with him many times about things. And I remember having a, a senior year independent study class with him and myself and one other student, a friend of mine, Tim Gray. And we did the class. We did the reading. Please don't discredit my diploma. He didn't just give us an A, but it was more about like, did you read the book? Yes. Okay. Tell me about it. Okay. Three minutes in. I was like, okay. Now how's life? And then we would just talk for an hour about life and ministry and future planning and he would just share wisdom. It was just so meaningful to have that resource to go to. You know, mm. again, it wasn't a closed door. It wasn't a screen. It was face-to-face, real life together. What about yeah. chapel? What was chapel like at that? Uh, we did chapel. We did chapel twice a week. Of course, that's way back in the day when you had to have a tie on. Oh, my word. <laughs> chapel twice a week. Uh, usually the speakers were like preachers from around the state or missionary guests coming around. You'd always look forward to the times, though, when it was a professor who would speak. You never knew ahead of time. you just walk in and, like, who's introducing somebody? And go, oh, right, you know. <laughs> I also enjoyed, in the spring, would be the senior sermon series, where mm-hmm. those graduating with a ministry degree would get a chance to preach. And I remember clearly to this day, Aaron Chambers, who's a preacher out in Colorado now. I think it's Journey Christian where he is. Mm-hmm. His senior sermon was from Jeremiah about gird up your loins, about being ready, that he's made you a mighty fortress, ready for battle. I remember clearly what he did, what he shared that day. You know, those words resonate. Every time I read through Jeremiah, I remember being in the room that day. You know, it's those those moments that stick out to you. And we would have also at the end of every year, <laughs> we'd have a closing circle and the graduating seniors, you'd have the circle of the inner chairs of all the seniors and all the other chairs around it. And all the seniors sat there that were graduating and they got to share their, they had like two minutes or three minutes a piece to share their last bit of wisdom or they'd bequeath something to somebody. Oh, I bequeath you my Doc Smith intro to bib book. Ta-da! You know, whatever, some senior stuff. But then just hearing some great pieces of wisdom from those that are going on, you're like, okay, they got it. I mean, you're taking better notes on days like that than anything else, you know, because you know them. For me, it, there wasn't any sense, again, of, of that one person. It was this constant flow of different people encouraging, different bits of wisdom coming at me from different ways. And chances for me as well to just drop little things here and there. For me, it always goes back to what Paul said too, where I planted it, Apollos watered it, and God made it grow. It's never, for me, it's never been about one person investing the majority of the time into me personally. You know, I can't really go back and say, oh, that person was it it would be this long, long list of adults in my home church, you know, different Sunday school teachers, my youth minister, the different professors, all the different staff on campus, even some that weren't professors, just some of the administrative staff on campus, roommates, other peers at school that I'm still close to even now, that really just added to all of it and just gave this overall, I mean, it's the same idea. We're all on the same page with our faith. So you're getting the same message just from different people. So that that was really it. Would really feed into the spiritual formation. So I don't have any great, you know, moment of oh, you know, the spirit resides over me. Like this is your moment. You know, I don't have that. I just have a ton of great memories of experiences of truth mm. being dropped into my life. You know, and someone else came by and watered it, and at some point in time, it grew. Ten years later, maybe, but eventually it grew. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's cool. Okay, so let's see. We talked about socially and spiritually. 
academically then? Who are the professors that you remember most? Maybe one or two lessons that you learned from them. Sure, sure. Doc Smith was always an exciting class. He would just bring uh, the Old Testament to life. I mean, you, the freshman cycle was into the biblical studies, foundations of Hebrew history, and history of Israel. That would take you through all the Old Testament, you know, through that year. Just brought it to life for the different projects you did. And we would sing songs in class and do those type of things. Uh, I remember Chambers. I had Chambers for Greek for two years. I had Smith for Hebrew. I took Hebrew one year. My plan was to take Hebrew and Greek. I want to take them both. I just love the languages. But they had a new professor. Professor Lupp had come on. And so it was going to be like Hebrew two years of Smith and then Lupp with Greek. And I had a roommate who had Lupp for Greek. He was like, this class is killing me. <laughs> so, so much so that I changed my plan. Instead of taking two of Hebrew and one of Greek, I changed. So I took Hebrew my sophomore year and then I quit. And what was funny is the class had 12 students in it. So Doc Smith would be like, oh, here I am, my 12 disciples. You know, of course, then we were quick to say, oh, so are you Jesus? No, 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 no. <laughs> and so the first day of class, my junior year, I didn't sign up for Hebrew. I signed up for Greek. Well, the other 11 stayed. Well, we get to the first day of class and I know the room they're in and I go and they had been teasing me. Doc Smith had seen that I hadn't signed up. Oh, there's Judas. And he'd call me that going in the hallway because I betrayed him. There's Judas, there's sign up for Greek, can't take the Hebrew, you know. So so first day class comes in, they've started. I open the door and I take some changes. And Here's your 30 pieces. And I throw <laughs> it back in the room and leave. And, you know, a big old laughter from that. But I went from that to Greek with Chambers for two years and just loved the language class with that. And did it again in grad school. You got to take it again uh, for credit. Uh, I enjoyed it even there. I mean, I, I can't translate anything to save my life, but to give me the tools and I can love it. So that was exciting. Some great men, you know, great men and women. You know, Twilight Size was always great just for conversation. You know, she was consistent in all she said and did, share her life with us over and over again. Just great, again, just great people. I counted a privilege to have sat at their feet and listened and learned. There are times I wish I could do it again. And like I said earlier, that life Christ class should have never been a freshman class. <laughs> that should have been a junior class when you're like, you know what you're getting. You know, freshman class, give them like all the intro junk you need. And then get serious as you get older. Because as a freshman, you don't know what. You don't know what you're doing. You have no clue what you're doing. You're just staying up way too late, playing too many video games, reading a book to regurgitate and pass a quiz. You know, and, oh my goodness. The Ooh. stuff I wish I'd done better when I took it the first time. <laughs> you know, we talk about spiritually, socially, academically, but I noticed that you conveniently left out your wife. So when did you meet your wife? Was it a ring by spring? How did that work? <laughs> Well, you didn't get that, but you didn't talk about my personal life yet. Say the best for last. So. <laughs> well, I, mean, I figured we, that was socially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we actually knew each other in high school from church camp days, ironically. But she was just this girl named Heather from my friend Jeff's church. You know, I didn't really know her. And then she came to school. She was actually dating my roommate at the time. One of those 20-year-old guys? No, 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 no. This would have been <laughs> sophomore. She, she, whoa, whoa, whoa. She was a year younger than me school-wise. So I was okay. a sophomore. I had some different roommates then. Mm -hmm. I moved in with younger people the next year, okay. my age. Uh, she was dating one of my roommates, and they broke up. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry about the breakup. You want to go out? <laughs> <laughs> kind of uh, kind of swooped in, and we started dating her freshman year, my sophomore year. We were engaged the following fall. And then married that following spring. So we were married before my senior and before her junior year. And she's amazing. We, I mentioned earlier that internship at Central Christian in Ocala. 
I was there another year and then another school year. And then I'd gone to another place. I actually went to Clearwater to work with Scott Einan, who's now down at Community Christian down in Fort Lauderdale. I was the last intern he had because that joker bailed on me and left to go to community when I'm like, I'm here to learn from you. Thanks a lot. No, just kidding, Scott. Uh, <laughs> so I did that one. And then Roger from Central was like, hey, I'm going to transition into Christian Ed. Do you want this job? So I had a job in Ocala already lined up going into mm. my senior year. And so she piled on. We were married her junior year, living in a little apartment on campus, not even a one bedroom. It's an efficiency apartment, like open floor, bedroom, kitchen, dining room, all there in the same place. And um, she loaded up on like, 24 and 26 credits and just oh took so much she was killing herself to get it done because we were going to move she came with me we moved to ocala which was about a 100 miles away or 90 miles away and so the next year she only had like 8 and 12 or something so she drove down like two days a week and finished you know mm. so we were married she was in it with me doing ministry she was a teacher for many years and she was my right hand assistant she was my automatic default female you sponsor you know just loved it uh, loved it all the same as me so uh, best friend would not have changed a thing about it uh, with life and we've been through so much together and we laugh about things now but just amazing amazing so when you completed your academic journey you already had the uh, job lined out you went straight into youth ministry yeah, I graduated, I think it was the end of April, or early May, whatever it would have been. And my first day on the job was June 1st. I had about a month off in between that we packed up, got an apartment in Ocala and got settled and I started. That was it. Actually, no, I was an intern there. That's right. I did the school year internship there. Yeah. So I was an intern part-time and then started full-time in June. So I had a couple of weeks break between graduation and starting right into it. It was amazing. I mean, here I am, I'm 22, turning 23 that summer. And the church was 600, 700 people, probably youth group of 30 or 40, kids ministry, 40, 50. And they let me do it. I'm 22. Are you nuts? I, I look down and go, you want me to give a 22-year-old what? Uh, no, 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 no. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm watching this like a hawk. But I had the beauty of uh, two guys there. Roger had a 20-year youth ministry guy down the hall. And any questions, I could go down and ask him, hey, did you ever do this? And he would just give me – he didn't butt in. You know, I mean, he handed off to me beautifully. He didn't butt in. He didn't try and micromanage me. He's like, I'm I'm done with it. It's yours now and I'm doing this. But I was able to use him as a resource, which was yeah. great. And then our senior pastor, a senior minister, David Welsh at the time, he was a great example of ministry and family. You grew up and you see you're the preacher, like he's always at the church and like this family and these kids, what they're like. And you feel like, my family have to be like that. He was a great balance of ministry life and family life. And he showed me how to be a preacher or a youth minister and a dad and a husband at the same time. You know, he would do those kind of things. And then also there was things I would do that would totally mess up and like mistakes. And I came clean. I didn't try and hide it. I didn't try and deceive anybody. And he'd like get on me about it and say, Pete, that's the way you do it. You just got to confess it and you got to come clean with it. And hopefully you're around people that know enough about grace and they'll let you learn. You know, but I, we, we had just redecorated the office hallway with like new wallpaper and carpet and new trim and everything. And I was moving a desk back into my office and I had a really sharp lip of where like a keyboard tray would fit and went down the hall and that little lip, it was a metal lip, carved a six foot divot all the way down the length of the wall, tearing through the wallpaper into the drywall. It was a mess. Nobody saw it. We didn't have any cameras. Nobody would have known. I could have easily been like, oh, I don't know how it got there. I, was, I think it was me. I'm pretty sure it was me I did that. You know, he's like, well. What do you do? Thanks for letting me know. I mean, accidents happen and I learned a lesson from there. Just being gracious and understanding and letting people learn and what they do things. So mm. that was big too in, in those early ministry years of having 
a team around me that let me fail, not in a big way, but to learn from failures in little ways and mm-hmm. take notes and learn from it too. So that's yeah. great. So that was Ocala, right? Yeah, yep, that's Central Christian Ocala. Okay, so give me your journey between Ocala and where you are now. What were the stops? What were you doing? How long were you at these places? So yeah, 95 to 2000 at Central in Ocala, doing kids and youth, and was kind of asking, like, hey, are we going to get a kids minister at some point in time? And no, nah, we got other plans. Maybe further down the road, like, okay, I'm open or whatever. Well, then the next day I get a phone call from Ken Gemeinhart here at Inglewood. I wasn't looking. But then that day I get a phone call. And it's, of course, the Christian church secret way of, hey, do you know anybody, wink, wink, who's maybe looking, wink, wink, for a job, wink, wink? You know, so it was kind of one of those like, uh, yeah, I might, wink, wink, know somebody, you know. So we pursued that and came up here. So I was actually here at Inglewood from 2000 to 2007 doing youth ministry. That was probably the most blessed season of ministry I ever had. I mean, we were a church of 400, pushing out 100 kids on Wednesday nights with youth. It was just our kids' ministry was blowing up 60, 75 kids a week. It was just crazy what we were doing. But love the time here. Moved down to Fort Myers. was kind of a place, had a daughter we'd adopted. Kind of wanted to go, okay, I know I can't do youth ministry forever, so maybe I'll find something where I can be a youth minister, then transition, but stay on staff. So I went down to First Christian Fort Myers, hoping to kind of be there for the rest of my life. I was there a couple of years. They had some stuff they were going through. Kind of like, I got to find a job before they tell me that I got to go. Mm. Not that I did anything wrong, but it's just a matter of, it's just a tough time. That was the 2007, 8, 9 was the hurricanes and the economic crunch and they were cutting staff. So found a job up in North Carolina and Kernersville, North Carolina, small little town between Greensboro and Winston-Salem. Perfect place to raise our kids. Our son, Joel, was born down in Fort Myers area. Moved to Kernersville, North Carolina. Got a one-year-old and a three-year-old and we spent the next eight and a half years there. They both grew up they're, they're North Carolina kids. They grew up in North Carolina. So they know fall and winter and, and the big church setting we had there. I was in church about 1500 and I did middle school at first and then high school and then oversaw the family ministry. And man, I thought I was set. They were going to plant some other campuses. I was going to become the senior associate of family ministries and manage all those teams. Like we're going to live here forever. And then one of the elders from Inglewood calls me, the preacher and his wife, she did worship. They just kind of retired, resigned. And his name was Henry. And his kids, his girls were in my youth group when I was here before at Inglewood Christian, early 2000s. It's like, Pete, we're looking for somebody. We just keep coming back to your name. I never, bold letters, underline, highlight, capitals, never want to be a senior pastor or preacher like the main guy. You know, I, I can make the big decisions, but I always wanted that person behind me that could go, hey, that was the right thing, right? Like, it was just one of that vote of confidence. Like, yeah, good job. That boy, good job. So he calls me up and I'm like, Henry, come on, man. If it's (laughs) any other person, like I knew him as a man, as a father. I mean, when you're raising your kids, you have parents that you want to be like him and his wife or them. We want to raise our kids like they did their girls. So Henry, if it's any other person and if it's any other church, because ironically, Inglewood was a place, (laughs) a little bit of backstory. Heather and I got married here. I wasn't working here. She wasn't attending here, but we got married here. I was youth minister here. We had our first son here. He actually died from a, a malpractice thing um, when he was uh, three months old. We adopted mm-hmm. our daughter here. So for all intents and purposes, Inglewood was our home spiritual church. That was our church. That's where we went through the most. And the church surrounded us and loved us so much. So when Henry calls, I'm like, Henry, any other person, any other church, I'd be like, no, thanks. I'm going to pray for you. Have a good day. Goodbye. Click and hang up the phone. You know, but because it was Inglewood, 
I knew the people. They knew me. I knew what this place meant to us. I'm like, all right, whatever, Lord, what, whatever you're doing, just make it clear. And we came down and visited. And, you know, it, it was still a matter of like keeping it a big secret. Like, didn't tell anybody. And they had a reception on Saturday night. Hey, come meet the candidate. And I'm walking in and we're carrying a dish. We're bringing a dish because we're coming to him. It's kind of like playing like, because my mom goes to church here. And so I walk in and they're like, oh, hey, Pete. Oh, Pete. Like they it suddenly clicked that I was the candidate, you know, and it was just this immediate sense of Inglewood has been, you had the church planter back in 58. And then Fred Smith was here like 35 years. Ken Gemeinhart was here like 25 years. And so they've had three guys, the two, if you don't count the first planter who was here for a year and they left, it was really a sense of like, you know us, you know what's important to us. Inglewood's in your DNA. So it was a natural fit to come back here. And there was an immediate hitting the ground running because there was no sense of, okay, I got two years to figure out who these people are and they get to know me. I knew them already. They knew me, you know, so we hit it boom right away. And it was just mm-hmm. amazing that transition and the support and the encouragement and the things we could do. Uh, and it's been five years here now. So here I am senior pastor, five years. I haven't lost my mind yet. I lost some hair, but not my mind. So. <laughs> Wow, that's a great journey. And thank you for taking us through those stops. Yeah. Now, uh, you have permission to veto this. You mentioned the issue with your son, mm-hmm. three months old. Now, that could not have been an easy time in your life. Would you mind kind of talking about navigating that journey as, yeah. a, as a Christian? Yeah, we had tried for six or seven years to have a child and we're finally able to get pregnant. And, you know, we were here. I was youth pastor here. I can walk out in the same spot where I got the phone call from my wife. Guess what? I'm having a baby. You know, and <laughs> walk that same sidewalk right there where she told me. Uh, she has him born a little early. Uh, some other things. I won't go into the details why, but it was just a mistake made. And we we uh, we lost him. He passed away. And um, it it crushed this church as well. I mean, it wasn't just an individual couple that lost a child and like oh put them on the prayer list i mean it was it was tough it was tough mm-hmm. for the whole church um mm-hmm. but the church loved us they uh six weeks i was out they paid for some stuff for us to get some counseling things done they gave some time off they let us heal they let us mourn as a funeral here it's packed out i mean people still tell me today i was there i have no clue who was there but i believe them i believe them uh when they come and it was a it was uh to me that time period of our life of that the joy we shared with them. So the time period from from moving here, being pregnant, uh, having a child, losing a child, going through all that process. There, it was a medical malpractice. There was a whole litigation lawsuit time period, a couple years on the road. So we went through all that, just kind of waiting, 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 waiting. Finally resolved all that. Going through the adoption process. We adopted through a mission part of the we have here at our church. And so going through all of that is probably the best picture of what the church is supposed to be loving surrounding encouraging um not just sympathy which can come across as fake at times but empathy they felt not the same degree but they felt our pain you know mm-hmm. the same way we did and it and broke their hearts like it did ours you know so we heather and i have talked of two things we would have not our marriage would not have survived going through that ordeal for two things. If we had not had the seven years previous to just the two of us together and form that relationship. And number two, if we had been at any other church. And I don't mean that to downplay any of the churches way they love people, but this place is special. There's nothing like, I mean, I'm going to say this as much humility as I can. And the people here don't know because they've only been here, but 
you talk to anybody in Florida who's connected to Inglewood because they've been here, they grew up here, they went somewhere else. There's nothing like it. It does not. There's nothing that comes close to genuine love for people. Uh, one of my favorite words in the New Testament is used in Acts. The Greek word is homothumadon. I, I joke and call it the Christian dinosaur. It sounds like a dinosaur name you know, instead of a Greek word. But it's it talks about when the apostles are all in one accord and they did things together and they all came together, laid the things at the apostles' feet in Acts 2, Acts 4, Acts 7. But I define that word as passionate unanimity, where they were they were together in everything. And I feel like the church I get to serve at is the living, breathing example of what that means. And it's just, I'm so blessed to do that. And so I, I joke I, I, all the time. I, I talk about, we're doing Acts class on Wednesday night. We do how about doing I wrote on the board really big, my favorite word. You know, <laughs> the whole class laugh because they know it. I've preached on that word three or four times and just reinforcing people. You don't know what you've got. You don't know how good it is. So don't take it for granted. Make sure you're learning from the generation before you so you can pass on generation after you because we have to keep this going. This place is special. And I know God's got us here to put us through that season of life. And we went somewhere else to be able to bless others. We've come back to be able to bless even more now. We've been blessed more. It's just amazing. It's good stuff. Thank you for going down that road for me. That was Amen. perfect. Yep. Uh, okay. Um, we're over time. So I need to, <laughs> I need to wrap okay. this up. So I'm going to treat you like I treat every one of my other podcast guests. I want right. to ask you two questions. All right. Uh, one, what is something that you've learned throughout your history in life and ministry? that you would really wish to make sure other people. Yeah, I would say this for anybody in ministry, you're in a paid position on a church, working a church or a parachurch group, anything in ministry, the moment you feel like you are too important to move tables and chairs, you need to find something else to do <laughs> because you've lost your priority about why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, I get it. There are times when you talking with a family member of funerals, more important than moving a chair. I get it. But as a general statement, the moment you feel like it's beneath you to do anything, to plunge a toilet, to move a table and chair. The moment you think that you're too important for that, get out. You're doing a disservice to the kingdom and let someone else do the job better than you. Mm. Oh, that hurts. That's powerful. That's, that's good stuff. Okay. Uh, last uh, question. Man, listen, we've got old pipes here. And so the toilets get clogged a lot. And so I'm facing that question a lot. Like, all right, Pete, <laughs> you said it. You better do it. So there I go. Plunge it away. <laughs> that's great. Pete, this has been wonderful. I have one more question for you. I'm going to give yes. you just a moment to think about it while I do a commercial. Imagine, if you will, that for the next 60 seconds, everybody in the world is listening to the Sojournal podcast. So that means that for the next 60 seconds, the only voice the world hears is Pete Ramsey's. So, Pete, what are you going to tell the world in your 60 seconds? While you think about your answer, let me ask our listeners, have you heard about Johnson University's Vanguard Church Partners Program? Churches who seek a more dynamic relationship with the university are invited to join this partnership as we work together to foster stronger connections between churches, the university, and the students who attend Johnson from VCP churches. Student scholarships and a variety of church benefits reinforce the partnership of Johnson University with each partner church. Learn more at johnsonu.edu forward slash Vanguard or call Brian Lakin, Director of Church Relations at 865-251-2141. So Pete Ramsey, a 1995 graduate of Johnson University, Florida, Florida Christian College, married to Heather and a couple kids, 30 years in ministry and a variety of experiences. Pete, thank you so much for sharing your life and journey with us today and giving us some great insight and wisdom. I really appreciate you being my guest today. What one minute message would you give to the world? I think I would 
tell the world, I'm going to cheat a little bit and be specific and say to the church and say this, we need to stop playing games and stop thinking we know so much when we don't. James tells us, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We need to stop pulling parts out that we like and not talking about the parts we don't like. We need to stop trying to be relevant with culture. We are in the world, not of the world. Stand on the truth. The wise man built his house on the rock. <laughs> the foolish man built his house on the sand. We need to stop building sandcastles and start building fortresses based on the word of God. Study it, learn it, read it, repeat. It's like the old shampoo bottle. Rinse, lather, repeat. Read it, learn it, repeat over and over again. Perfect. Wonderful. Well said. Pete, thank you so much for being my guest today on the Sojourner Podcast. This has been really fun to have you. I appreciate the opportunity to get to know you. I've enjoyed it. It's been great. Thank you. The Sojourner Podcast is a production of the Alumni Relations Office at Johnson University. Edited by Kara Husky. Podcast graphics by Rachel Woolard. Music by Loyal Love. Tune into other Sojourner podcasts dropping normally weekly on most of your favorite podcast channels. Thanks for listening. Music.